Welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of Arsenal in the Big Six. This is our third episode and I just found out that I have not been appreciating everyone that's been coming on to the show. So I really like to give a shout out to everyone that's been coming on the show, listening to Afolabi and I talk about Arsenal's failures and the rest of the Big Six throughout. So thank you guys. Uh, the show has been, it's been doing well. It's been doing well. So I, I just hope that we can keep that up. Yeah, so this week we have a big, big guest. A big, big guest from the UK, from London. His name is Harry Simeon, he's a reporter. And um, I think you you work for the, you go on TalkSport from time to time. And you write for 90 Minutes Football too. So it's it's a pleasure having you. Hi, Harry. Thank, Thank you, you guys for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to Thank be on. Looking forward to it. It's a full Saturday morning. I actually wish, actually wish we had like matches this week. But then who knows with us now? You're you're always so happy every weekend. Okay, I'll to, to watch Arsenal this weekend. Then all of a sudden they are dead spoiling your mood at all. Then you have to suck for the rest of the weekend. And for like three, four years or so, Arsenal, what Arsenal do during the game week, it always affects my mood for like Monday, Tuesday. Does it affect you in any way? Or yeah, sure. No, no, it, it definitely affects me. The problem I have is that before i was working in football i used to be able to to block it out and do other things and focus on other things and then i'd feel a little bit better about it but now that's not the case my work is talking about it writing about it uh you know thinking about it 24 hours a day and it's very difficult yeah exactly exactly over and over again (laughs) must be tough (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, so um, as we're not having any football this week because we're on um, international break, we'll be talking about a transfer roundup. That's what we're having this week of the big sixes um, transfer dealings this summer. And at the end of each team, we're going to rate how well they how well they stack up the transfer the transfer dealings that they've done. How well they stack up? We're going to rate that, and we're also going to rate team at the end of the transfer understand so firstly we're going to start with manchester united yeah we're going to start with manchester united they, they've done a lot of good this this summer they've done a lot of good this summer they brought in sancho Hitting, varan and cristiano ronaldo mm-hmm. that's the big one that before we go on harry who is your goat afolabi's goat here is messi Who's your goal? Yeah, uh, for me, it's actually not Ronaldo or Messi. It's Diego Maradona, but then okay. it's Messi for me. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gagging on your kids. That's not fair. No boy. <laughs> That's not fair. Okay, so um, Sancho. Let's talk about Sancho. I mean, we've watched his debut. It's it was <laughs> it was it was nice for me. I enjoyed I it. Much. I <laughs> How how did you see the new country? Yeah, I mean, for Jadon Sancho, I think he's one of those players that he's just going to need a little bit of time to acclimatise back to the Premier League. Obviously, he grew up in England, so it's not a completely new country for him. It's not a completely different culture for him. He's essentially coming back home. But I think Jadon Sancho was probably the first high-profile player uh, to leave a big Premier League club and go and join a German club, uh, the first sort of England-based player to do that and really have an impact. And I was 
lucky enough during the the covid lockdown the first time around when the bundesliga came back the german league yeah. it was the first league that came back and i was working on uh, on commentary on a couple of uh, a couple of bundesliga games uh, well more than a couple it was probably three or four and and two of them were borussia dortmund games so i got a really really good look at jaden sancho and i was really really impressed by what i saw i think he's a really uh, talented player, really good with the ball at his feet, very quick, but also very, very intelligent. Gets into the right spaces, likes to drift into the half spaces. And uh, I'm a massive fan of Jaden Sancho's. I'm a bit surprised. I thought he would have hit the ground running a little bit more at the start of the season, I've got to be honest. But I yeah. think he will come good. I wouldn't, if I was a Manchester United fan, I wouldn't be worried yet about the Jaden Sancho signing. What, what do you think about him, Nicolas Pippin? Oh, come on. <laughs> Nicolas Pippin, isn't there? We use there. Yeah, it's a term we use here for like a player that comes on and you're still after like two, three seasons, you're still like give him time, give him time. So what do you think? I think with with Nicolas Pepe, the problem is that he was never worth seventy-two million pounds. Yep. And that's the problem. So now when we look at Nicolas Pepe, we judge him as a seventy-two million pound, but that's not fair because he's probably a thirty million pound player. Arsenal overpaying and and being willing to to stretch that much for him is not his fault. It's not his problem. It's Arsenal that made that decision. So I think when we judge him, you've got to judge him as a 30, 35 million pound player. And actually, when you look at his outputs in terms of goals and assists, only Aubameyang and Lacazette scored more goals for Arsenal last season than Nicolas Pepe. So he is, he is, you know, he's not performing at the level that we want him to, but he isn't as bad as some people make out. It's because of that transfer fee that we're judging him against very high standards, I think. So you're saying you think Sancho will, will come good? Yeah, yeah I think Sancho will come good. Okay. Yeah. And side sure. note, guys, uh, Sancho and I were born on the same date. Uh, <laughs> March 25. So I'm not sure he's going, going, going to come. Going to I'm come. not sure anybody cares about that. You see? <laughs> so I'm a big Sancho fan. Yeah, I think I, I am a big Sancho fan too. His partnership with Haaland was something like, I really enjoy watching those one. They want to know. I really enjoy watching the whole project of bringing youth um, characters up. And I think from Sancho, different Premier League players started following in that. Full, um, I remember Ademola Lukman from Everton, um, Rhys Nelson to try to go and join Hoffenheim and um, Demarai Gray. Demarai Gray yeah. also went there, but I don't think he worked out for everyone as well as worked out for Sancho. But he coming back, I think he's going to do good. He's going to do well. But me personally, I just have to have an agenda with him. I just have to have an idea like, because he's at United. I just have to have an idea. <laughs> then moving on, they, they got Tommy Heaton, which is just like, he's just there for being the six from out here, I think. A torturous keeper after um, Anderson and the hair. Then they went on to get Varane, which was a rather surprising one for me since Madrid had already let Sergio Ramos go. So I was surprised that they, they got someone, like they allowed another big character in the um, dressing room to leave like that. How do you feel? Yeah, I was surprised at that as well. Um, I thought that now was the time for Rafa Varane to really step up at Real Madrid. You know, Sergio Ramos had gone and he'd always kind of, you know, he's a great defender, but he'd always kind of been in Sergio Ramos's shadow. Shadow. It felt like the opportunity was there for him to really step up and be the senior go-to man in the heart of Real Madrid's defence. But he's obviously moved on. I think a lot of it is to do with Real Madrid and them yeah, needing funds. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I think for them, as much as it was about getting a transfer fee, and 
Sorry. Sorry. Uh, as much as it was about them getting a transfer fee in, it was about getting his big wages off of their bill as well. So yeah. they've done that and there are very few clubs. There are only a handful of clubs in the world that can afford that sort of money and, and Manchester United are one of them. They needed a centre-back, yeah. so it made sense. It makes sense. He's a big step up on, um, Lindelof. on Lindelof. Yeah, and I think recently on Twitter, we've been seeing shouts from United fans saying they should allow Lindelof play as a DM since Fred has been woeful and all. So it's, it's, mm. it's probably a possibility for them, though. It's a possibility. I, I, just, I just think that is Lindelof going to give you much more in midfield than a Fred or McTominay? And I don't think he exactly. is. So if uh, Man United need to buy a specialist defensive midfielder, it's as simple as that. Yeah, but I was reading something. Like, you know, United fans are always like, "Oh, um, Ole is good enough for the job." I know. So our only problem right now is a DM. We can't win the league because we don't have a DM. Then I read um, an interview with someone. It was like I can't remember. I can't. Re- I really can't remember the uh, the person's name. But it was like in Manchester City's title winning squad, will you have considered Zinchenko as? a title-winning left-back or in Antonio Conte's, I think, 2016 or 2017, Chelsea-winning side, we have considered Marcos Alonso, Victor Moses, yes, as a title-winning right-back. So they had, like, a world-class squad and that's what Manchester United have right now, all over. So if you have Fred as the only player that is there, that is below par, I feel like you should still be able to do something with that since the rest of the squad is world-class. Yeah, I think he just needs to do his job and keep things simple. And and for the most part, Fred does do his job. The problem with Fred is that he came, again, a bit like Nicolas Pepe, he came in for a lot of money yeah. and people were expecting him to kind of, you know, set the world on fire. He's not going to do that. You know exactly what he is going to do. And that is that he's going to work hard. He's going to break up play and he's going to play a simple pass. And And, you know, I agree with you. I don't think that just because one position is not necessarily... Uh, perfect or n- not necessarily yeah. as strong as you want it to be. That doesn't mean for me that you can't win the league. United, especially with the signing of Ronaldo, yeah. you know, they, they be at least challenging. Yeah, it should be. It should be this season. Then the, you said it there, the big one, Cristiano goes Ronaldo. You said it. <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't say go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's a big addition to the Premier League coming back. What do you think? Obviously, obviously. Well, what I, what I think is that... Uh, generally, yeah, it's, it's, you know... Okay, go on. Yeah, I think the networks... Sorry, lads, yeah. the connection went a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that Ronaldo obviously is a, is a big thing coming back. It's great to see, you know, big characters coming back to the Premier League. I think Ronaldo is a very different player to the Ronaldo that left Manchester United all those years yes. ago. He was a winger then, you know, a winger who'd contribute goals. Now he's very much a forward, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. What I'm a little bit worried about with Ronaldo, well, I would be yeah. worried about if I was a Manchester United fan, is that they're going to change the way that they play to accommodate him. him. Because I yeah. think if you look at if you look at the way Juventus changed over the last couple of seasons or last three seasons or whatever it was with Ronaldo in the team they were very different and uh, Max Allegri when he was manager the first time at Juventus actually spoke about that he said we actually played better football when we didn't have Ronaldo not because he's 
a bad player. Of course, he's a fantastic player, but because it made them change the way they played and they kind of left behind some of the principles. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a little bit worried that Manchester United, who for me don't have an issue scoring goals, it's the other way that Manchester United have been a bit questionable in recent seasons. I just wonder now if they're going to try too hard to get Ronaldo involved and if that's going to be a problem moving forward. Uh, Obviously, he'll score goals, he'll contribute goals, but what does it do for the development of some of the players uh, yeah. around him, some of the younger players like Mason Greenwood, and and how is it going to adapt or change the way the team play? Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in addition to what you said, I think uh, Manchester United and Uli himself, he does not have a plan <coughs> for Ronaldo. It just happened. So most of the signing is signing. If he's, he's not ready for it, he does not have a plan, he does not know what to even do with them. I feel even the Sancho signing and he just knows he needs an attacker and he gets an attacker. He does not really know what kind of attacker he wants, what kind of attacker he needs. How so, of course, I want him to operate. And it's going to give him a problem. We are going to see. Also, Ronaldo, we all know they signed Ronaldo because of the name, you know, the, the PR and everything. And because he's the GOAT. So, no. <laughs> because you can actually see that four or five years ago, Ronaldo would be a no-brainer for all the clubs. And you can see people not jumping... To the Ronaldo wagon, yes, for this 16 time around, million, even for 15 million, his agent was having problem getting him somewhere. I mean, four or five years ago, almost 10 big European clubs like bring me Ronaldo, I want Ronaldo, but now people are doubting him. You no, know, it's yeah, probably because of his age, even yeah. his wages and everything. Not because he can, he will still give the goals, but to the team generally, like you said, will he operate with the team? And managers these days, they like team football, they like someone that would that will improve the team, that will operate with the team. You yeah. can see that in Guardiola at Man City, uh, Klopp, Liverpool, Tuchel too, with Chelsea. He wants his kind of players that work with the team. So I think Ole does not have that now. It's just banding together a group of great individuals. Yeah, I think it's going great to be hard. Individuals. So he has to step up. Keep everyone happy. Adapt, 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 please. So um, how, how do you rate United's yeah. transfer out of 10, their transfer window? Out of, uh, out of 10, I'll give it a 7 uh, because, as you mentioned, they brought in some good players, especially in Varane, uh, especially in Sancho and, of course, in Ronaldo, even if that one was a little bit of a last minute and wasn't really <laughs> planned. But yeah. but the the fact that I can't, the reason I can't give it more than a 7 is because I don't feel they've uh, addressed that midfield area, which yeah. I'm not saying is going to stop them achieving their targets, but I just don't think you can call it. Uh, a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 because the yeah. fact they missed out on that player. Then I missed out. They let Daniel James left for 30 million. Wow. Then that if, if, if that was us now, you'd be hearing he had a 2 million bid with <laughs> a, loan, a loan to buy next year or something like that. Yeah, that was, exactly. it was It came out of the blues, man. It was so surprising. Well, Leeds have actually been interested. Leeds have been interested in Dan James for a couple of seasons oh, wow. and he was very, oh, okay. very close to joining them before. Uh, but Swansea pulled out of the deal. So before he went to Manchester United, he nearly joined Leeds and okay. he had the medical and everything. And then Swansea decided to cancel the deal. So Dan James has always been someone on Leeds' radar. So it wasn't surprising to see them come in for him. Didn't oh, think they'd okay. pay 30 million, but it wasn't surprising. Uh, 30 million is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Then we go to Mikel Ateta's tricky reds. How Arsenal. many people are tricky now? <laughs> Arsenal, <Manchester laughs> is Arsenal. <laughs> it's Mikel Ateta's tricky reds. 
Firstly, I think let's start with the um, outgoing first. We let Matteo Gunduzi leave. And I think this, the painting was on the wall for him since that Brighton yes. game. There was no comeback. And both of them are play, uh, Matteo Gunduzi and Mikel Arteta. They are both people that have massive egos. Massive. Yeah. And I don't think anybody was ever going to come to the table and be like, okay, I apologize for this. I apologize for this. So basically, we've let a player that we bought for 8 million and had massive potential leave. And I think next, I think the obligation to buy is 10 million or something like that next year for Marseille. So I don't know what you think about that. It's one of those things where I think that Gwenduzi is an incredibly talented player, but his attitude is not right. I've heard stories from ex-Arsenal players. Uh, so if you remember back to the early 2000s, Jeremy Aliadier, uh, yeah. uh, who played up front for Arsenal was part of the Invincible team. We did an interview maybe maybe a year ago now when all of this Gwenduzi th- stuff started happening. And he said that he trained with Gwenduzi at Lorient in France. So Ali Adia at the end of his career went back to Lorient and Gwenduzi was a young player coming through. And he said to me, I could tell from that age that Matteo Guendouzi had lots of talent, but that his head wasn't right and that his attitude was going to stop him achieving, not stop him having a football career, but stop him hitting the level that he should hit, that the level that his talent uh, should get him to. That's really sad. Then William Saliba too. This William Saliba, I'm a massive Mikel Arteta fan. I love Mikel Arteta, but this is one decision that I will never understand, especially with with the fact that we started Kolasinac in 2021 versus Man City. It's why are you let him let Saliba. This is his third season now that he's living on loan and he signed a four-year contract. So when he cut when he gets back, this is a player who signed for 28 million. When he gets back, what how are you going to explain to him your plans for him to tell him to sign an, a contract ex- extension? I don't I basically I feel like his Arsenal career is done, except we have another coach coming and yes. like settle him, settle him down. What do you think, Well, uh I don't I don't know the deal with uh William Saliba. Because I felt he should be starting to yes over Odin over likes of Odin and Chambers and you can see anybody anybody should be given a chance when you have defenders like <coughs> Odin and Chambers. I mean, and you can see the way the way they played against Chelsea. I mean, I, I, I should be able to play Harry. As Harry, coach, you can defend better than Odin. Odin and Colasia as a coach, even an under eighteen player or maybe under twenty three. Your best under twenty three defender should be given a chance. Yes, at their defense or something like that, and just you know see what happens. So for someone you now brought in and signed a four-year deal, I don't know. I just don't understand. Probably it's the ego you mentioned. Yeah. Probably had uh, a problem with uh, Mikel Ateta. That's William Saliba. So he might also be leaving unless a new coach yeah, comes gets in. in. Yeah. So, Harry, what, what do you think? It's a, it's a hard one with William Saliba because, first of all, we don't know what's really happened. Yeah. So we have to be careful not to, not to come to conclusions. What we also have to remember is that, yes, Arsenal spent £27 million on William Saliba, but that was not under Mikel Arteta. That was under yeah. the previous regime. Yeah. You also have to remember that Raul Sanlehi, who was at the head of the club at the point yeah. where we signed William Saliba, has since been booted out of the door for some, some dodgy dealings, one of which was probably William Saliba, another <laughs> of which was the big fee that we paid for Pepe. So yeah. Mikel Arteta... If you trust him to be the manager of this football club, you cannot hold a gun to his head and say, you have to play William Saliba just because we paid 27, 28 million pounds for him. That's a a mistake of the past. 
I don't care what anybody says. However highly they rate William Saliba, he's not a twenty-eight million pound defender, and he wasn't a twenty-eight million pound defender at the time we paid that for him. Now he's done okay on on some of his loan spells. I disagree with the way the club handled him last season, where they left him out of the squad for half a season and and then moved him on. That was wrong, and and I've got some sympathy for him there. But you know, we remember we're comparing him to Chambers. We're comparing him to Holding. But just remember that if Gabriel and Ben White were available at the start of the season, neither of those guys would be playing either. So I don't see the issue with Arteta thinking, well, this guy needs game time to get to the point we need him to get to. And he's simply not going to get it here. So why hold on to him? Especially this season where Arsenal don't have European football. When is he going to play? If he's not in the Premier League team, when is he going to play? So I think with this one, I'm very careful with this situation because I don't know exactly what's gone on behind the scenes. We know that Saliba was unhappy uh, with the way things went last season, understandably so. But, you know, I don't think it's outrageous to say that a defender who only really had, what, one and a half seasons in French football before yeah. he came at the you know at the top level. I don't think it's outrageous to say he's not ready. Okay, that's, 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 true. that's true. Then we'll go to Joe Willock, Joseph Willock. I think that was good business for the club. 25 million to Newcastle. That was very good business for the club. After his um, hot form, yeah. I was I was really I don't know. There's something about me and um, academy players that come up. Same thing with Alex Iwobi. As you know, like Alex Iwobi is also a Nigerian, so I'm a big big fan of Alex Iwobi. So I don't know. It was it felt like when Iwobi left, it felt like a big part of me left with the club that day. But I was I was like I was fine with the fact that it was for 40 million, which was a steal, I think. 40 million pounds yes. as at the time he left. So I, I don't know. Um this this should be a good deal too. I just I hope he has a good career, but hopefully not against Arsenal. But I do hope he has a good career. So well, look. Then we I think yeah, we we'll to... as you said. Go yeah, on. go on. Go on. I was just gonna say, yeah, I think you're right. It is good business. Joe Willett yeah. will never be worth twenty five million pounds again. So again, that was, <laughs> again. That was time to take it. Like this joke. <laughs> Again, then we go to our incomings. Incomings. I don't know. You, you. Um, before we started the podcast, I think we we're talking and we we're saying Arsenal have a clear strategy. And I've been hearing was it Gary Neville or Gary Lineker? I was be like bashing the club and all, saying um, they don't have a clear strategy. They don't have this. When it's obvious, we do have a clear strategy. I think, I think Arsenal has a clear strategy. Yeah, they have a, a clear strategy. But I hope. I hope they don't. I hope they don't as a Chelsea fan. But I think they do. Their signings are not. They are not mainstream, yeah. if you know what I mean. So they actually they actually have scouts and targets taking the kind of players that they that they want that they like. Yeah, but if, if you look at these players, it feels like we've bought a lot of players, but we've not really improved. It, it, I don't know. That's just how we feel. It's probably because we've not seen them play together yet. Well, I think that's just how it feels. Yeah, I, it's one of those where, as you said, there is a clear strategy. The question is not whether or not there's a strategy, the question is, is that strategy going to work? And the answer to that is we can't possibly know at this point. Yeah. You know, it takes time. Uh, you've also got to consider that although the start to the season has been unacceptable, uh, it's a lot of that has been down to the fact that we have got players missing. I do believe we'd have performed better if we yeah, had, right. you know, a proper Especially. team. I mean, I mean, look at look at the team that played against Manchester City, the, the back line. How many of those guys are going to play against Norwich if everyone's available? Because Ben White's going to come in. Gabriel's going to come in. Uh, Tommy Asu's going to come in. 
Yeah, exactly. Thomas Partey is going to come in. So that's that's half your team. It makes a massive difference. <laughs> yes. And uh, people need to stop, you know, here in the UK, especially the media, they enjoy or I think they take every opportunity they can to criticise Arsenal. You know why? Because it's a big historic football club with a massive fan base. And when you yeah. slag them off, you will get attention. And that's yeah. what a lot of the pundits do here, which is sad because I, I don't think they actually believe half the things they say. I think, think they say it to get a reaction. And because there is a lot of us, they get that reaction. They do. A lot of angry fans, especially, they do get yeah. that reaction. So... Um, but hopefully it does work out. And I think we started this summer with Ben White for 50 million. I think it was done for a while. And I think they took the club really did take their time to announce Ben White. It took about two weeks for them <laughs> to announce Ben White. But he is a significant upgrade. He is a significant upgrade. I, I watched Brighton a couple of times last season. I enjoyed watching Brighton. So I think I already knew how it was going to play. And I, I was reading an article yesterday about. The, I think it was from Tim Silberto or something like that. Um, in the um, what Ateta wants from his players, Ateta doesn't want players that are like always too specific to one position. He wants players that can play like a couple of roles across the backline exactly. So that's why I think that's why the big fan of um, Tierney. That's why we're getting Tomiyasu because he can play centre back. He can use both right and left foot. Uh, foot. He can play uh, right back, centre back too. Same thing with Ben White, right back, left back, Smith Rowe and other guard. They can both play in that third position and on the wing. So that's what he wants from his players. And I think in Ben White, he has the perfect uh, player in that. But he had a shaky debut against Ivan Tony, who was just pulling him all over the place. Pulling him all yeah. over the place. Yeah, yeah for sure. But it's... um. Yeah, I think a lot of that was to do with the way we were set up as well, though. You know, you play two centre-backs against two centre-backs. Yeah. And, and Brentford are one of the few teams in the Premier League that play that way. Yeah. But I think what Ateta was trying to do was, he has been saying it that he wanted to stop focusing on what the other team was going to do and more like what we, we could do. Because I'm pretty sure if it was Manchester City that were playing against Brentford, they wouldn't care if Brentford would come with four attackers or five attackers, they were still going to play with the 4 3 that he has been using since. There could be little, little um, changes in between, but he was going to stick with what he had. But probably it just didn't work out that day. And I, I saw a lot of people saying um, how naive like it was mm -hmm. to come out like that that day. But I just feel like he was trying to move away from always thinking too much about what the other team was going to do. Yeah, this plan, right? yeah. but I, in addition, do you think uh, Ben White is worth 50 million pounds? I mean, even with the inflated market and all, you think it will come good at fifty for Arsenal? I don't think so. I don't think he's worth fifty million pounds. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Probably thirty million player max. But I think I think yeah. that's, I think that's the problem with English clubs and English players. Yeah. They've inflated mm -hmm. both from the buying party and selling parties. They are just buying and selling at high rates. To each other in, in in the English Premier League. I mean, why would Leeds even dare to buy Daniel for <laughs> thirty million pounds? Like, <laughs> does not even guarantee anything for Leeds. I mean, it might be the kind of player they want and we improve, but it's not a marquee signing. And for thirty million pounds, that's just that's just a lot for a mid-table club like Leeds. So when a mid-table club like Leeds getting Daniel for thirty million pounds, I mean, I won't be surprised as now gets their top defender. For 15 million, million, yeah. So it's just the market right now. Yeah.
Then um, Nuno Travares and Lokonga, Albert Sambi Lokonga. Um, I've watched um, Travares a while. Like I think throughout the preseason, I know he looks he looks a good buy, especially as the backup for Kieran He looks he looks good. So I think that was a good deal. Then Lokonga is he has he has impressed to see the list. So I think against in our first few games, he was the only player that could like lift his head up after the game and be like, okay, I had like a six or six point five, seven over ten game. He and Smith Rowe. Especially against Brentford and um my, Chelsea, rather. Chelsea. After the game, like I'm not used to getting a lot of um good feedback after games. So after the Chelsea game, because I I I didn't watch the second half or the first half, something like that. I was playing football on the field. Then when I came back, I had a lot of people like, oh, guys, you have like a fantastic player in Smith Rowe and Lokonga is, is also a very, very good buy. It was really surprising to hear like Chelsea fans of all people like come out and say that to us. Yeah. What do you think about Lokonga? Yeah, he's a signing that I'm I'm really positive about. I like the look of him. He looks really composed on the ball. He breaks the lines really well with his passing. It's one of those signings where I think it's, a, it's again, like many of the, the deals Arsenal have done this summer, yeah. it is with the future in mind, uh, which yeah. is great. But I'm I'm kind of a little bit scared of putting too much pressure on him at this early stage. Yeah. You know, I want him to, I want Xhaka and Partey to be the midfield, but I want him to come in and out. And, and get his opportunities yeah. and develop so that he can then eventually uh, displace probably Granite Xhaka and play yeah. alongside Partey, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Then we got Iran Ramsdale too. So it's four million. I didn't understand where that came from, but he's an Arsenal player now. And I think I'm going to side, we're going to back him anyhow, any, any way it goes. But I just didn't understand what or why we were spending 24 to 30 million on um in Ramsey, yes, especially where we could get um Ajax keeper Andrew Onana for I think it was six million to eight million because of his ban. Um and he wouldn't play until January, but I understood that. I just feel like if we, we could plan that for January and probably get like a short time signing, like the way we did for Matran earlier in January, you understand? So I feel like we could do something like that. But the club decided that they wanted Ramsey and he did well, probably against West Brom. Probably that's just because um the opposition, but he did one. I was particularly looking at how he was going to play under pressure, passing out from the back and all, and he did that really well against against West Brom. So I'm hoping we see him against Norwich this this coming weekend. And hoping it comes good. So how would you rate Arsenal's transfer window over 10? Uh six. Six. <laughs> what, what about you? For me, I'll, I'll give them a five. No, I'm sorry, I'll give them a five because I don't think it's going to work out. I'm sorry, and the essence of the transfer window is to improve your team. I mean, you were yes. what, what was your position uh, last season? I don't know, you have a phone, you can check that. <laughs> and don't ask me for me, you, have, you should have a massive transfer window, and you already have a coach there before, so it's not a new coach. You should have a transfer window, give the coach who you want, and you should probably move from eight to a fifth. Yeah, especially as with one thirty million pounds or so, and I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Arsenal are getting fifth. I don't think they're getting sixth. Basically, do you I think, think they are going to fall in seventh or eighth again? <laughs> so, Harry, do you think we have Do you think we have a better squad than Leicester City? Uh, in terms of balance and everything, I think what we lack that Leicester City have is is probably senior players now. I think okay. we've got. A handful of real senior players now 
And that's a problem for me because they're senior players that have shown us over the years that they're not going to compete at the highest yeah. level and they're not going to keep, you know, being consistent. So I think Leicester have got some senior players that are a little bit more consistent and that's why this squad is probably slightly stronger. Yeah, than and that's, that's damning stuff. That's really damning if Leicester City are having a better squad than Arsenal. It's basically, I'll go with a 6-2 for Arsenal because I think the incomings were okay. Um, I think I was talking about the amount of transfers we've done. He said 17, 18. But basically, the outgoings, the players that we wanted to let go, I don't think we've done enough with respect to that. So that's why I go with the six for Arsenal. Then we go to uh, the other side of London. We go to Chelsea. Biggest club in London. We go to Chelsea. <laughs> we go to Chelsea. And firstly, they got in Romelu Lukaku for £115 million. Euros. Pounds and all these values I'm seeing are according to transfer market. So according to transfer market, they got it for 115. Do they use euros or pounds in transfer? Euros rather, okay. euros. Euros 115 million. I think it will come with. You've watched a lot of Syria, so you should like have something to say about him, Mary. Yeah, he's he's really improved in recent years in terms of his movement, the positions he takes up. I think he's a much more complete centre forward than he was when he left the Premier League. Uh, I think. Antonio Conte's system suited him really well. Not sure it, how he's going to fare in Thomas Tuchel's, which is not too different in terms of the shape, but in terms of some of the, the individual responsibilities, the team is a little yeah. bit different. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he fares. But you know Romelu Lukaku is going to score goals. He's always scored goals. Um, yeah. and, and in many ways, that's what Chelsea were probably missing last season, was a really uh, clinical centre-forward. Their build-up play was fantastic. We all saw Timo Werner, you know, did really well, I thought, at stretching teams, creating yeah. spaces, making runs in behind, using his pace. But when it came to the finish, it wasn't there. I don't think Kai Havertz is a, an out-and-out centre-forward. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really good signing. It's a lot of money, but first of all, Chelsea can afford it. And second of all, if it's going to take you on to the title, then it's worth it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I think that's just the next, as I said, that's the next step for them yeah. winning the title and scoring goals. We need we need them to score like 20 PL goals and I think that is ours. If we can get 20 PL goals. And Chelsea have like a really good shape. And we have a good defence. And yeah. what I want to say about Romelu Lukaku is I watch, of course, I'm a Chelsea fan. Yeah. What the problem, the normal problem we have is we don't score goals early enough. When we have the teams back to the corner, we need to get the goals. You saw it against Arsenal. We got that one goal, and for me, the game was over. I was thinking, yeah. we have our first goal. We are in control. The defense is set to the whole midfield is set to. We got the first goal, and we went on to win the match. That's yeah. the first thing. And also, we need a striker that will finish off teams. Sometimes we are two one up, two two nil up. It's not enough. You need a striker to get so. It's those two ends of the of the game yeah. that we need to fix, and I think Lukaku is going to the fix it. Definitely do that. Then Saul Niguez, Saul Niguez for that was the really surprising. I'm actually surprised, you know, like no other big club was like coming in for him, man. I expected like the likes of Bayern to come in for him, but I think they already got Marcel Sabitzer, yeah. so probably that's why like he didn't bother coming for Saul. But Saul for five million on loan is is a fantastic option. Is a fantastic yeah. option. Another really good signing that only adds to the quality Chelsea already have in midfield. Yeah. So, great bit of business. Yeah. Uh, um, what, so, how do you how do you rate Chelsea's summer? Uh, I think they've addressed the positions they needed to. So, eight Nine. out of ten. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. 
I think <laughs> if they'd have got one more cent, if they'd have got one more cent back in to replace Zuma going, then uh, then I would have said more higher, but yeah, yeah. eight out of ten. That's that's fair. And uh, Liverpool, they only got in Ibrahim Konate. Uh, the club has just been ranting about um, <laughs> other clubs spending. spending a lot of money. It really looks paid. <laughs> it really looks paid. But I don't know. It's it just speaks. It's, it's just a testament to how like fantastic of a coach he is. The fact that over the years he's just been signing. I think last year was only um, Diogo Jota. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so and when his two centre backs, two three centre backs got injured, like he really took he a hit on his team. And he managed to get top four. Yes, he still managed. Did he? Yes, he got top yes, four. Yes, he did. Yeah. So he still managed to get top four last year. That's that's fantastic coaching from him. And this season again, they started well again. So and they got Ibrahim Konate for forty million from Leipzig, and it's just twenty two. Just I think they just got him for um, rotation. Probably whenever back of Van Dijk, yeah, yeah, Van Dijk, Matip, or Gomez are injured, he's just going to come in um, for them from time to time. So that was. That was good, but they they already have the depth in midfield already with Avi Elliott stepping up to now, so probably that's why they didn't get another midfielder. And um, do, did you think they needed another attacker? Obviously, yeah, I think yeah. they need. I think they needed to freshen it up a little bit in attack. I actually slightly disagree about Liverpool in that I, you know, yes, it was it was good that they bounced back from their terrible kind of mid-season uh, drop off last year. And they came, you know, into contention for the Champions League and they finished in the top four with a great run at the end of the season. But I actually think when you look at players like Joel Matip, for example, he has always picked up injuries. Joel Matip has always been sidelined for long periods throughout his career. And I actually think the fact that Liverpool, obviously they had a number of injuries, but they lost Van Dijk. And the minute they lost Van Dijk, you just knew that Liverpool were a soft, a soft touch and you could hurt them. And and for me, why didn't they address that in January? They got to January and they bought, I think, a centre-back on loan from Schalke, Ozan Kabak, who was very average. And they bought a centre-back from Preston who didn't even play. So it, 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 just for me, it made no sense. Jurgen Klopp was moaning and complaining about it all that time. He shouldn't have been moaning and complaining to us. He should have been moaning and complaining to the There's owners nothing the we can do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> To, because if you want to stay at the very top of the Premier League, Liverpool went from title winners to scraping into the top four. That's that's not great. You know, you yes, it's good to get in the top four, but for me, they had to maintain that level and they didn't. And yes, you can't help the injuries and, and some of it is, is bad luck, but they could have done more to solve it, I felt. And yeah. they left themselves a little bit thin and they got punished for it. They did. They, they got badly punished. <laughs> um, so this their summer. How, how do you read that summer? Well, for me, I'll give them a seven, a six, a six because I think they still need a midfielder. Wanadom has gone, and Wanadom for me is arguably our best midfielder. Yeah. Probably with Jordan Anderson. Although they don't ask much from their midfielder, but he's still mm-hmm. first or second. And when you do someone like that, you need to replace, especially as you know that Chamberlain has not been Chamberlain, Chamberlain and. and um, Keita are, are injury prone. Injury prone. They always get and injured. You can't put too much weight on Avila. I mean, he has had a good start, but can he do it for 30, 38 games and the Champions League and, and Champions League Cup. and other cup games? And Thiago has not been performing. I was surprised they didn't go for Sao Niguez when Chelsea were going for him. So I think they need a midfield that is going to cause them problems this season. For so, Harry, so six over ten. What about you, Harry? Uh, five out of ten. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, because come on, yes, because no, no, yeah, because Arsenal. You can say what you want about Arsenal, but they've they've brought in six players and they've moved out a load of players. So there is a, a evolution happening there. But at Liverpool, you you hit the nail on the head. You've let Genie Vinealdum go. You haven't replaced him. You know your forward line. I think. You know, I don't know. I know it's early in the season. Sadio Mane doesn't look the same to me over the last yeah. couple of seasons as he did previously. Yeah, and yeah. it just needs freshening up. Firmino doesn't look the same uh, for me as well. So I think it just needed freshening up. And I think one of the things that Alex Ferguson, when he was Manchester United manager, was very good at doing was not changing his whole team every summer, but just bringing in one or two to freshen it up and yeah, keep them at did. the highest level. And And I don't think Liverpool and Klopp have been very good at doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's for me. I, I think I'll go with the six two. I'll go with the six two. That's that's fine. Then finally Tottenham. Tottenham. I think when they got in their new, <laughs> you laugh. When they got in their new, um, I think it's technical director. So um, Fabio Paratici. Um, I was a little bit um, surprised when they got him because uh, he felt like he had already done something bad with his final year at Juve. With his final year at Juve, he felt like he didn't do well enough. So when they got him in, then the whole um, embarrassing managerial hunt when they went from Antonio Conte to um, Gattuso, then they finally, finally got set to. I think they went for Paulo Francesca too. Yes, um, the former Roma guy. Before they finally settled with, you know, um, Espirito. So that was like really underwhelming. But they got that in, and I feel like they've had like an encouraging window, despite me being an Arsenal fan. They've had like an encouraging window getting um. Brian Joe, who is a winger from Sevilla for 25 million, and Massey Royal, I think it was on deadline day, 25 million. Yeah. I, I, and he spoke about being unhappy that Barcelona bought him <laughs> in the summer and they still sold him in the same summer again. You can't trust Barca these days. They, they don't look like what they did. <laughs> then Papesa for 16.9 million and um, Christian Romero too. I think this is the one that. It's a huge deal. Christian Romero from Atlanta, centre-back. Like, you would have watched a lot of him. Harry, is it, is it worth it? Yeah, he's, he's a good he's a good player. I wonder how long it's going to take him to adapt to the Premier League. I think he's really good with the ball at his feet. I think the speed of the game here is very different, so he's going to have to get used to that. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think they've had a good window. I think they've brought in a decent manager. I think that Tottenham... You know, I think they need to be a little, you know, they used to moan about Mourinho and the way he played football, but I think they needed to be that little bit defensive because they don't have top quality defenders uh, in the centre-back position. So hopefully from their point of view, Romero will will help in that sense. But still, you know, Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer are not not top players for me. So he's got to find a way of, of... no, exactly. He's got to find a way of, of getting the right balance out of the team. And Nuno, for me, in many ways, is quite similar to Mourinho, but he just is a little bit more likable and probably a little bit more modern. And I think that will yeah. stand him in good stead. Okay, that's that's fine. What about you, I feel like What do you think about Nuno? Uh, I think Nuno is a good signing, probably their best signing. And it's obvious they won their first three games. And sometimes, even when you're giving up on the squad, you need that coach factor. Sometimes it's fifty. The coach is fifty percent of the whole squad. So with Chelsea, I mean, we're ninth and six months after we are lifting okay, up the Champions yeah. League. So I think Nuno is a good signing. But the problem I have with, with them is the centre back. I feel they should have signed two or even three defenders because they have aging 
defenders in their back line and their defense is already getting in. I think they were going and, for screener too. Yes, and Juice Kondi yeah. before he rejected them because of Champions League. Everybody and rejects starting out. Like about two <laughs> rejected them. So I think they should have gotten a center back I think additional because Romero, like you said, he needs to adapt. So what if he does not adapt quickly? What if he gets injured or something? At that age, you can't expect him to carry especially a top system yeah. to probably top four because I assume top four will be their target this season, obviously. Yeah. So I don't think he might he will be able to do it at that age. So I think that would be their problem. But no, no, I, I trust no, no. I think they should get they should be getting top seven, top eight. And I feel they will finish above <coughs> Arsenal again. <laughs> Just saying, just saying. <laughs> we we weren't just talking about us now. Just saying. <laughs> hopefully, it doesn't work out for them. I mean, hopefully, it doesn't work out for them in any sense. Um, then I think lastly, we will we'll go to Manchester City, where they only brought in Jack Grealish, who personally I would have loved to come to our style. I mean, he's all bromance with Saka. It's <laughs> and he was leading us on. He was saying uh, hundred million on. He posted something on his Instagram. I was like, "This is my favorite stadium to play in, the Emirates Stadium." So he felt like, "Oh, Jack Grealish is coming." Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's something. What what do you think for a um, hundred million? Yeah, I, th- I like Jack Grealish. I think he's a really really good player. I, I don't know if that's what Man City needed though, because I feel like they've got lots of similar players. Those kind of yeah. creative midfield players who can operate from wide areas Our as species, well. Yeah. I, I feel like they probably needed to sign a centre forward. I think that that would have been the number one priority for me if I was the City boss. Obviously, we know that they were interested in Harry Kane. We know that Tottenham didn't want to negotiate on that um, and that stopped that deal happening. But yeah, I mean, they've managed to keep hold of of all their top talents. They've added another top talent in Jack Grealish. It's hard to say that it was a bad window for City. If if I was to pick one criticism, it would be that they didn't bring in a centre forward. Yeah. But again, that all depends on how Pep sees this team playing. He obviously doesn't see it as that big a need uh, because of the style, because of the false nine, etc. But for me, I just I I think it's scary how good that team would be if they had a team forward. Yeah, (laughs) too much. (laughs) And it's it's at City. I think Kane will definitely be getting forty goals, thirty thirty five Premier League goals. Premier League goals, 31, 30 and above because Premier League goals. Got, this he has done it before with Tottenham. So. Yes, ah, it's, it should have been really, really scary. Man. And right now, um, where do you see Arsenal finishing at the end of the season as all these top teams have improved? Even West Ham. If we see Dusan Vlaovic. Yeah. I mean... I see Arsenal, if they can turn this form around quickly and keep people fit, I see Arsenal finishing in the top six. Top I six, think yeah. that the group is good enough, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know... It, if we can't keep people fit, if we're going to keep missing players, if we're going to keep being inconsistent in our performances, keep making individual mistakes, then yeah. you know it's going to be a very tall order. But listen, Mikel Arteta is under some serious pressure now. He's got to turn yes. it around quickly. I wouldn't like to be him. Deliver. Yeah, me neither. I would like to be him. Okay, Harry, um, thanks for coming on, man. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. And um, if you are looking to get on Harry on Twitter, his name is Harry Simeo. Um, H-A-R-R-Y-S-Y-M-E-O-U. Harry Simeo on Twitter. So um, thanks for coming on, man. We know you have like busy schedules and all. No, See thank you. you guys for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you too. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Take care, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, that was um, Harry Serial. Um, that was a good one, I think. Um, so, guys, we'll, we'll see you again next week. Next weekend. And But then, as hopefully, Arsenal get the win. Chelsea well, lose. Sunday, right? After yeah. the matches. Yeah, so hopefully, Arsenal win. Chelsea lose. United lose. Good I mean, everybody else in the league lose. We play Norwich. Oh, yeah, I, I hope everybody else basically loses and only us. I don't know how they're going to do it, but everybody should lose and only us now should should win this next week. I mean, we, we, what Chelsea play? Uh, Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Oh, she's definitely Danny Ings is going to score like three for Chelsea. Or more. In your FPO, guys, get get Danny Ings for next week. Four goals. You know, my defense. I mean, you haven't heard of it, but you see my defense in action. Uh, okay, no problem. So. Um, Thank you for coming on Afalabi. Thanks for coming on again this week and um, we'll see you again next week guys. Thank you.